Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Another wonderful day in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for my brothers here, Father. I thank you, Lord God, that that our hearts are prepared, Lord, to receive your seed, Father God. That you might bring forth Jesus in their hearts and in their lives, Father God. For Jesus, you are the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. Amen. And I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that you live in our hearts and in our spirits, O God. I thank you, Lord God, that the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple, Father. Help us hear and see and understand, Father, what you're minister to us today. I thank you, Lord God, that it was, as we stand in your presence, Father, minister in these words of life, Father God. We bless you and we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you know what? I was uh, I was getting that video ready for uh, the first one when I was here. You know, I finally made the video out of it. Yeah. And uh, I was looking at the scriptures, you know, and, uh, and it, he says here in Matthew 18, 7, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Right? Now, he, listen to what he said here. Woe unto the world. Okay? And, and when I first, you know, started seeing a little bit more light about this, right, the Lord was showing me that the world is in a state of offense. Right? They're offended, right? That's why when you cry out to the Lord and you have ought in your heart against your brother or you're offended, God's not going to hear you. That's why Jesus taught us that it's so important that we stay right with our brothers and sisters and our family members and so on. And he, and he said it clearly here, woe unto the world. So Jesus is saying exactly what I said, but I didn't see that part of it. And that the world, because they are offended, there's woe unto them. And the word woe here, man, it means uh, alas or woe or grief. A primary ex ex exclamation of grief. In other words, it's going to be hard for the world because they are offended. You see? And that's the thing is that is that in our hearts, amen, we, we understand the kingdom of God and that we must love one another and we must you know, forgive one another when we when we get offended. Now, <clears throat> it was funny because um, I was looking for this outline, and it's called the making of a leader, right? And the beautiful thing about it is, is that God doesn't make leaders. You ever hear that? Mm -hmm. God doesn't make leaders; He makes servants. Yeah. You see, and if you can serve, then you can lead. So, and I was looking for this outline, and it, and, and it starts out in, in Luke chapter 14, verse 28 through 30. And this, like I said, this is called the make of a, making of a leader and then the price of discipleship. See, we don't, we, don't, we don't disciple anymore. We don't, because first of all, the word disciple means to discipline. Just like you correct your sons or your daughters, Right? Or like the other day, remember when we were discussing something, I, sh I shared that scripture about <clears throat> Jesus as a shepherd and bishop of our souls, right? Amen. Well, the reason that ministry is so important in the body of Christ is because, first of all, it takes a lot of strength to to minister that way to one another, right? And so, if I'm if I'm gonna if you offend me or or, or the Lord is leading me to share something with you that's going to bring correction in our in our lives, 
then as the scripture says that we are accepted in the beloved, the reason we need to be accepting the beloved is because sometimes it's not just going to be a blessing like I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to, I'm going to minister to you in healing or whatever. But sometimes God needs to correct something in, in our lives to bring us back in order and fellowship with him, right? You cannot have fellowship with your brothers and sisters if you do not have relationship. This has to be first because out of that comes the joints and marrow ministering to one another, just like your body, joints and marrow, right? So in Matthew 14, verse 28, and it's funny because I remember I was telling my son the other day, you know what? I said, you know, every time I share the word of God, it's always about the kingdom of God, right? Because Jesus prayed on earth as it is in heaven. It's already structured in heaven, right? We understand that. There's order. There's no chaos. There's no confusion. But down here is where all the confusion's at because we have an enemy. And his whole goal is to keep us confused, keep us offended, keep us, you know, upset and so on. And, 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 and just letting, you know, getting your soul out of control, right? The soul man, he's the guy in the middle of your spirit and your body. That soul man, you see, the thing is, is that the scripture says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living nefesh, is the Hebrew word soul. In other words, he could express, he could, he could be his own person, and he could be serving God at the same time. He wasn't offensive to the Lord. But the issue is now is that, and that's the whole thing about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil versus the tree of life, right? When you make a choice outside of the word, which is the tree of life, Jesus, all of a sudden now you're partaking of the wrong tree. It can be good, right? Mm -hmm. You can help somebody out there in the street, but is it God? Because the tree still produces the same fruit. In the day that you eat of that tree, you're going to... And what does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to die physically? It means you're not going to have the breath of God driving you. Because you're choosing your own suke, your own soul, your own life. And so, <clears throat> and that's the thing. The world is constantly doing things their own way. Look at the results of the, of, look at the fruit of the tree of the world and what it's produced out there. Chaos and confusion and fear. Men don't know their men. Women don't know their women. You got all this confusion because who inspires that? Who's breathing that inspiration? Demonic, right? They're the ones that are all twisted and perverted, right? And that's what they bring forth. That's what they minister, man. That's what they serve to the people. <clears throat> and of course, you know, if you don't know the word of God, the wisdom of God, as the scripture says, that wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of our times. This is what's going to bring us stability is this foundation, this word. And uh, <clears throat> so you have all this confusion. And you remember the other day I was sharing with you, or actually the first time I was here and I alluded to this, and this is in Matthew chapter 4. And, and this is about Jesus. It says, verse 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Hmm. Now watch this. Disease, the first word disease, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. This word disease here is the word malakia. And malakia means soft. Infirmity, debility. Debility means that you lose your strength for no reason. You just zap, man bodily weakness sickness now 
And in, in, in Strong's it says softness. Okay? One of the things about it is we get soft in our position. Because the scripture says that the enemy is warring against the saints, man. Pressuring them all the time with the world and their presentation. It's okay to do this. Now you're seeing ads on television where guys are kissing, girls are kissing. You've seen it in the movies. And like the recent Star Wars movies, right? At the end of it, two girls grabbed each other. You know? <laughs> and our little kids and, and daughters are seeing all that, man. That little seed's getting planted. So look at this word. So it comes from the word malakos. And malakos means soft or soft to the touch. Metaphorically, in a bad sense, effeminate. Mm. Y'all know what effeminate is? Like a male? That's effeminate? You see that? He's soft. Right? You can't correct him. You can't touch You know. Who do you think you are? Of course, they're getting offended. And then it says of a catamite. Catamite was a boy kept for homosexual relations with a man. Catamite. That's malakos. Jesus had to deal with this in his time. And it's no different today. So what is that malakos doing? It's making us weak in our position. At one time you were highly offended against this perversion. Now because of the onslaught of the televisions and the media streams and people in our lives and we see them walking around, etc. And they're kissing one another and all this stuff. Now because of that, well, I guess it's okay. You know? What's the, what's the problem? They're not hurting me. You see? And Jesus had to deal with that. And so over there in the First Corinthians 6, I think it talks about uh, the works of the flesh, and then it says, it lists out a whole bunch of stuff, and one of them is this word, monacos, that this is this is a work of the flesh, man. And you can't inherit the kingdom of God, you can't be a part of the tree of life if you're walking after your own self and after your own feelings and stuff. And then it says, of a male who submits his body to unnatural lewdness, and then he says, of a male prostitute. Hmm. So, <clears throat> But you see, when these guys were translating this Bible, they didn't have a clue how to translate that word. They call it disease. What am I going to put in the King James Version? You know, that was their lifestyle back then, man. It, it wasn't a big deal to see a guy walking around with a little boy or whatever in Greece. That's why they introduced all that in that Greek culture so that they could get the ideas in the minds of the people so that when they saw it, it's no big deal. Got my little boy, I'm training him. 12, 13 year old guys, kids. And of course in the in the in the world now we call that pedophile. Yeah, yeah. See? So I'm sharing that because I wanted to, you know, allude to that again because you know it's important that we maintain our strength in the Lord. And God's word is very clear about these matters. And the whole thing about it is, is that so if two males got together and they have a relationship, can they make a baby? Two females? No. Right? They can't do nothing but satisfy themselves. The whole purpose of a man coming together with his wife is that so they can reproduce. What are the animals doing right now in springtime? Man, they're getting their little, they're getting their, their nest together. They're pairing up with their female because they're getting ready to make the next generation. Yeah. You're not going to see two male birds come together. And the thing is, we're higher in placement than animals. And yet, we're the ones that got it all twisted wow. because we got assistance, demonic. Amen. Oh, man. Wow. 
And I share that with my sons all the time, right? It's not, it's not the right season for you guys, you know? You can have friends that are girls, just don't touch them, right? Because a woman's skin is super sensitive, man, right? We're guys here. That's why I'm going into this a little bit. You can't touch them, man, because they respond to that, man, right? It's like a ripple in the water. You don't know how far that thing's going. So my sons, like I said, <clears throat> they don't consider that, they don't think about that, and because of that, it lets them be focused, right? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to that word. And so, you know, if, you know, at some point when our sons and daughters do grow up, they're gonna come into a great measure of responsibility in their lives. And if they're all confused with all this stuff, and of course, like I said, you know, when the fathers aren't in place, the little boys and the little girls grow up with that father, so therefore they don't have significance. They don't feel important, so they're gonna go out to the world and find it. A little girl has, you know, partners, and she's 13, 14 years old, you know, trying to find a father. The little boys, man, they have, you know, self-esteem issues, man. They're yelling at everybody. They're just all kinds of conflicts and problems, you know. And again, <clears throat> you know, this is the state of what the enemy wants. Is he, he doesn't want the male to be there in the household, right? Because the male, in Genesis chapter 3, I think 15, where it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. The reason he put the male first, even in the animal kingdom, why is that little cardinal so pretty and bright and red? Because the cardinal male doesn't want the predator, that hawk or whatever, to see the female. That's why she's all cameled down. He doesn't want the predator to see the babies. That's why the male gets out front when something's going to threaten his family. Same thing today, man. So, like I said, we talk about that all the time. And, uh, and, and, of course, God's way is that <clears throat> when you come into your responsibilities as a young man, you'll eventually get that, get where you're ready to make the house, etc. You got the job, etc. You got the finance to sustain the family, etc. And bring them the right foundation, right? Not this foolishness of the world. But, uh, and there's another scripture in, uh, talking about being up front, right? So in Timothy, we, we read in there that the elder must be the husband of one wife. Not the wife of one husband. <laughs> you understand? One more time. The elder is supposed to be the husband of one wife, not the wife of one husband. Oh. You get it? Why? Because God put the male first. Okay, so the man should. In the body of Christ, you same thing. You got elder rule. That's right. The husband of one wife. No, no. It's saying that it's not. It's saying that God gave the role of the eldership to the male. And this is called the making of a leader. So, you see what I'm saying? He didn't. He didn't give the woman that place. See, the male is the one that's. You know, first of all, men. Their tunnel vision. They're, they're the spirit of the seer man in the family. They have the vision to see where the family needs to go. The females, they're supporting. The scripture says in the very beginning, yeah. I'll make you a help meet. Someone to help you in the garden, Adam, in the role of your responsibilities. Mm. <laughs> and so then he says that <clears throat> if he cannot rule his own household, how can he rule the house of God? Rule is the word pro is to be. Pro is before, is to be means to stand. In Ephesians, where it says, having done all to stand, 
stand there for? That's the word istami. It means to stand in that position in place of the word of God against the enemy, etc. Now in uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul's talking about headship here. And, and, and so there's a difference between headship and lordship, right? Headship is the husband over his wife. Lordship is Jesus over the husband, over the wife. There's only one Lord. So if the husband tells his wife, hey, we're going to go to a bar and we're going to sit there and watch these ladies, the wife doesn't have to submit to that because it's against the word of God. Lordship. Okay? So this is a... Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 10. For this cause ought a man to have, I'm sorry, for this cause ought a woman to have power over her head because of the angels. Has anybody ever read that? 1 Corinthians 11? Yeah. And have you ever asked yourself, well, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to show you right here. First of all, the word power is the word authority, exosia. And then on her head, headship, in other words, somebody over her, because of the angels, not only angels, why would God care if your wife has a visitation from one of his angels? Who else are angels but they're fallen? Demons. Demons are angels, but they're fallen angels. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So Paul is telling us here clearly why with the order of structure and headship is important. God over Christ, Christ over man, man over woman. It's not over so that I can command you, it's over so that I can stand in front of you. And be the guard and the protection for your life. And feed you the word of God and correct your lives when you're out of order. You see? That's what the husband does into his family. And it wasn't about, you know, leadership. Like I said, this is called the making of a leader. So leadership is not about sitting there and barking orders at people. Leadership is about being in the front and being able to keep up with the people that are under you. And, and see if there's a problem in their lives and help them, even in our businesses. Right? It's someone that is able to direct and pilot. The other side of the male, right, he has the vision. Well, <clears throat> he's tunnel vision, but the female is 180 vision. She can see like this. That's why when she's in the car with you and you're driving down the freeway, she sees a car coming from the side. She's like flinching. You see? Because he's, out, he's got his eyes right here. As long as nobody crosses in front of me, I'm fine. They could be blown up in the back of me, but I don't care because I'm going forward. So again, you know, God has, has ordained the male in these places, not because he's better or prettier or smarter, but because Satan respects authority. That's all he knows, right? In other words, what I mean is that if you command the devil to leave and you're a man under authority, he's got to go. He has no choice. So therefore, if he can take the male out of his place in the family structure, He's got the battle won because he knows that those children are going to suffer in life. And so that's why God needs men to come up and to grow up into discipleship and grow up and be servants. No, I, I get that something. When yes, you sir. Say that, uh, it just blew my mind. Yes, sir. <clears throat> no, I mean, everybody can hear me. Huh? So you just blew my mind now when you said sit on, sit on honesty authority. Mm -hmm. That is so great. Mm -hmm. Because this is the honesty authority to obey, but when you're not really, this is the honesty authority. So when you are a man on authority, mm -hmm. you can command him to leave because he respects authority. That's right. 
that's the reason why in Acts chapter 15, when the son of Sipa was casting demons, mm. he asked them, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Authority, yeah. I can't obey you. Okay. <laughs> and see, Jesus was a man of authority. Now, mind you, Jesus was a man, right? But he yeah. taught us the foundation of how to be his husbands and, what, and, and so on. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, but he, he knew the word, amen? And, and because he knew the word, you know, Jesus said that, he told uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees, you search the scriptures and you think you have eternal life. But the very scriptures that you're looking at are testifying to me. I'm right here in front of you and you can't even see me. Amen. You know, Jesus said in, uh, <clears throat> in uh, let me see if I can find this one. How much time we got? Six to forty-nine. No, we got more time. Okay. Well, there's a place where you know Jesus talks about you have neither known me or seen me. You don't you don't recognize where I came from, right? Where I've been sent from, right? So this is a revelation the Lord has been working with me on, and and basically He says, um, "Gosh, I gotta find it now. I don't like quoting the scriptures, and I don't know where I'm at." Okay, right here. Yeah, John six twenty seven. He said, "Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting Zoe." Now, the thing about being born again, right? It's not born again because, and we've heard this. I heard this in, from the very beginning when I got born again. You're gonna live forever, eternal life, right? That's not what the Lord was saying. He said. Life is the word Zoe, everlasting. In other words, you're going to be able to experience my presence every day of your life. Zoe of God. That life of God is going to minister to you and give you revelation, give you understanding. John 1, 4 says, in him was Zoe, and the Zoe was the false or the light of man. To show you the darkness. To see where your family's going. To see where you're at in your relationship with him. If you're out of order with something, he's going to show you the darkness. That's what light does. It reveals darkness. So this thing about being born again, and you're going to live forever, because what's this? Even if you don't serve God, you're still going to live forever. Yeah. But in, but in the other side, away from God. Now, I'd rather be with God, amen? Amen. amen. You understand amen. what I'm saying? Yeah. That whole message that they give you when you're an evangelist, and you, you tell other people you're going to be able to live forever. That was the wrong message, man. You're going to be able to experience Christ every day of your life. Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the Zoe. You want the law of lift? You want the law of promotion? You want the law of going up and forward? Serve me. Serve Jesus. Now, so he says here, everlasting Zoe, which the Son of Man, the Weos of Man, the Weos is full of mature son, shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Now, have you ever mailed a package to someone? Yes. Right? Yes. What do you got to do to that package before you get it ready to send? So you got to put it at rest. You got to prepare it. You got to put the content in the box, foam in the box, bubble. I mean, these little peanut shell things, right? And then you got to seal it. Now that it's sealed, you can send the package to the destination. See, Jesus was saying here, him, the Father, God, the Father, seal. God has prepared me for this hour to be able to be the bread of life to give you that life so that you can have me every day. That's what 
Moses, when God was talking to him, he was talking to God, but show me now, you know, uh, in Exodus 33, he says, uh, well, I'm going to just quote the scripture. It says, wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in your sight? Is it not that your presence goes with us? That's what the whole thing was about, is that you're going to have the presence of God every day in your life. Everlasting. To have the wisdom of God to know what Israel ought to do, what you should do, in other words, in your life. So <clears throat> he says here, for, whom hath, for him hath God the Father sealed. Now let me ask you another question. Has anybody ever been confused in the body of Christ about being sent? Right? I, I can't go if I'm not sent. Yeah. Right? Sometimes, yeah. mm-hmm. Now. I'm not sure how to help with that yet. That's cool. So the word sent, right? So if you look at the word represent, there's only two things you can do with authority. Represent or substitute. Right? And the word represent, if you think about it, it's the word re, which means do again, pre, which means before, and then sent. So Jesus, nobody sat there and laid hands on him and sent him out. He knew it was time because all this time he had been submitted to authority. And God recognized him and said, this is my beloved we us in whom I'm well pleased. And from that moment on, he began to preach the kingdom of God. So what am I saying is that because Jesus had been prepared all this time in his life, when he was 12 years old, he was over there ministering in the temple. They were asking him questions. Everybody was astonished at his revelation. But it wasn't time yet. You see? And he had to come back and hoop tassel, submit to his father and mother. And he did that for 18 years. So in other words, this process of preparation to get to this place of where God can start utilizing your life, it's not about somebody sending you. It's about preparation. Because once you're prepared, then you're ready to be sent. The package. Now the package is ready. Now let me ask you another question. What happens when you send the package and it's open? We got a problem here. You call him a post office. You call him FedEx. You call him UPS. My package is open. In other words, it's tainted. It's not ready yet. You can't send the package if it's not sealed. And that's what the Lord is saying to us, is that if you're not ready to go forth in the name of the Lord, then then wait until it's time. Right? Because God has a... I I don't have any doubt that, that the Lord has sent me here. All right? Because all this time of preparation, the package has been getting ready. Mm. Right? Amen. Because I'm here. I'll, I'll do what I can. I'll give. It's a serve, etc. It's not, it's not unto me. It's, it's unto the Lord. Right? Amen. And uh, I remember August, I think it was the 14th, I was working at the Potter's House mm. as a network systems administrator. Wow. Okay? And I was there for three and a half years. Man, and I was at my wit's end when I got that job, man. Because I had been out of work for months, man. But in the middle of that, something very precious happened. It was a February 7, 2014. It was a Friday night. And I was playing my guitar. I had my, my strat and I had control of my knobs real good. And I could control the amp and I can get the sound exactly the way I wanted. I was impressed. And then... The thought came to me, and that was, is that, Joseph, is, is, is this it? Is this what you've been working all this time and spending all this money and different amplifiers, different guitars, building this, buying pickups, changing this, all these years? 
wasting time and money, man. Not to mention the frustration it caused my wife. And uh, when, I, when, I, when I said that, I just put my hand on my chin and I looked out and I began to cry before the Lord, man. And mind you, up to this point, I was backslidden, man. I was serving myself. And I knew I didn't want to talk about the Word of God. I didn't want to teach anybody the Word of God. Because what's going to happen when the Word of God comes out, the Holy Ghost is going to convict you. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't want to. That's right. He's going to put you in your place, man. And so I remember shortly after that, I started getting into the Word, man, praying again. Uh, all these teachings that I had been taught, you know, back when I came from in Marshall, man, just all this revelation started coming back to me, man. And then in August, I was there working. I started working in March there. And so in August, there was a sister there. And I was sharing with their 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? And I'll share a little bit of that here is that Paul was saying, now concerning spiritual, and the King James says gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. Ignorant doesn't mean that you're dumb. It means that you don't go that way because you ignore it. And so the word gifts is italicized. It doesn't mean, Paul wasn't saying that concerning spiritual gifts. He was saying concerning spirituals. This whole world is spiritual. And when you add them all up, as far as the nine manifestations, the seven charismas, and the five domas, that's 21 areas of spirituals. Okay? I was sharing this with her. And then she went into a manifestation of prophecy. That's different than prophet. That's different than charisma prophecy. And then that's different than the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus. Okay? And so she went into a manifestation of prophecy. And she told me, she said, Joseph, you know, it was really strong. She basically, she said that God is going to, all this time that you've been pouring over the word and studying and getting prepared, God is going to end up using you to teach the nations. Mm. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to drive around, I'm going to fly. <laughs> right? <laughs> but the point is, is that, and then she said that, you know, the apostolic mantle is going to fall on your life. God's going to redeem your time. Because that was the thing that bothered me. Because when I, when I it was February 7th that night, I said to myself, Father, forgive me for wasting all this time and for not teaching your people the word of God. That's the first thing that came out of my heart, man. So basically, that was my Damascus moment, right? And that's when I got back in purpose with God, etc. And uh, anyway, you know, and then back in April of 2018, I started, I started um, Facebook Live, right? Because a brother had asked me at another fellowship, I was at, he says, you know, I want you to start teaching, you know? He said, about six weeks. And I said, man, okay, but I've got enough material for two, two and a half years, you know? These uh, all these outlines and discipleship training and stuff, and then um, after about nine or ten sessions, they stopped coming, right? Because again, they stopped coming because when the word of God comes out, Scripture says in Hebrews four twelve, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two sword, piercing even to the divine asunder. The word divine asunder is merismos, which means to make a separation for clarification. The only way you can see where you're at in your life is through the word. God's word is going to slice and tell you if you're in your soul or your spirit. Mm. If you're in your spirit, you're in the life of God. If you're in your soul, you're in yourself. Simple. <laughs> so, and there's a whole, you know, whole area there that, that, that 
that we'll end up getting into because it's important to understand this soul man. But um, anyway, uh, you know, this, this this life that we're living before the Lord, man, it's not just a belief system, right? It's, it's Jesus is alive, and he is not only your Savior, but he's your Lord, right? So anyway, um, I started teaching in, 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 in April 2018. Well, they stopped coming. I said, well, heck, I can do this from the house. Why am I driving all the way over there? Nobody's showing up. So that's what happened. I started now doing them at the house, and then I got to a place where I understood how to stream through the video camera, you know, for the quality and all that. And then also for the connections, because they drop sometimes. Man, that would drive me nuts, man. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is that about six months ago or so, or eight months ago, I started realizing, you know what? The word of the Lord that he gave me is you're going to teach these nations. It's coming to pass, and you weren't even sitting there trying to do it. You're sitting there recording these videos. You're publishing it on Facebook, YouTube, etc. People are listening to these things all over the world. And I didn't have anything to do with it. In other words, I was just the willing vessel that was able to do my part in what I do. And now God has fulfilled his word. And it's going to keep growing. And so, anyway, the point is, is that I started saying that, uh, that God's word was getting fulfilled and I didn't even know it. Because <laughs> he, he hides pride from man. Amen. And he wants you to understand that it's him, not you. Amen. Amen. Now, right around that season, that time in August, I mean, yeah, 2014, I had a dream. And in the dream, I had, I saw a rainbow. And I thought it, uh, it was eight rainbows like this. And eight is, is new beginnings, right? Mm -hmm. And then the rainbow was promised, right? God's promise to us that he'll never destroy the world that way again. Yeah, pure water. And then I was at my house. And I was, and I looked back to the north, and it was dark clouds, man. And my wife and myself we were working outside together. You see, we were working the field, working the garden together, the ministry, the service. So, like I said, all this stuff started coming together, and, and I didn't even realize that I was doing. Like I said, he hides pride from man. He doesn't want you to think it's you. It's the grace of God. So anyway, so like I said, uh, this is where I'm at now. You know, I believe the north is this. Um, this is north of where I live, and and God keeps prophesying about me going to the north. Right? The scripture says that promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west, or from the south. What does that leave you? North. It comes from God. Yeah. You see, the secret of promotion is humility, submitting yourself to authority. And then God will honor and recognize you. Not us having to, you know, you see people all the time and they're having to rebrand themselves, remake themselves. Because they don't see the promotion of God. They don't understand that the kingdom of God is within you. And this kingdom is growing up inside of you like that lady that hidden leaven in three measures of meal. It's hidden. You can't see this kingdom that's inside of us. The glory to God, you'll see it in the representation of it in your life and in your family and your way you conduct yourself and so on and so on and so on. In other words, you'll see it the world is going to see it, and your brothers and sisters are going to see it because you walk in your life with the discipline, right? You want to walk as a disciple. So let me get into this. This is Matthew 14, start verse 28. It says, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? So see, in my own sufficiency, I couldn't see how am I going to build this tower, right? How am I going to build 
going around, driving around, and flying around, whatever. I don't have the means for that, right? But I have the technology and the understanding of how to use all these tools. Amen? Amen. And then, so, count the cost, right? So that's what a disciple does, right? Lest happily after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. And then verse 30, or, or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able to, with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? You know, when I'm at the house and my wife wants me to do some things and projects, if I don't have all the tools that I need for that project or the pieces that are going to make it happen, I'm real hesitant about getting involved. Because I don't want to get involved in a project or a task, and then i got to drive to Home Depot and get the rest of the pieces. You understand what I'm saying? That's the way men are. They're task-oriented, man. they got to be able to see. They see the end result, and they got to know that they have all the pieces together to get the result. And Jesus knew that, man. Praise God. Because he taught us that. You count, you count the cause. You see whether you have enough in front of you to finish this thing. Philippians 2, 1 through 9. Philippians 2. 1 through 9. There's a lot there. If you... <laughs> Philippians. If, therefore, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies... Fulfill you my joy, Paul says here, that you might that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or through vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So in other words, don't be just worried about what your stuff is and your family and their needs. Right? Mm. Also consider your brothers and sisters. Look on their needs too. All right? Mm -hmm. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. See, Jesus Christ, he told them, didn't I say you were God's? Right? In the book of Psalms. In other words, Jesus Christ was the son of man, son of God. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Say this. I'm a son of man. I'm a son of God. Both. Deity and humanity. Amen? Amen. So, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He didn't have a problem with that. He understood life comes out of your spirit, man. The life of God. And then he says, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. You see? The secret of promotion is humility. Amen? We must humble ourselves, right? Because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Have you ever been around someone that's real arrogant and, you know, and they think they're all this and that, and, and, and you don't really want to be around them? It's your spirit, man, that's resisting that. Yeah. That holiness of God, that purity of God inside us. So, discipleship costs you position. In Philippians 2.6, he was deity. You see that? Mm -hmm. It says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. 
In Philippians 3, 1 through 8, Paul lost his position before the eyes of the scholars. And I'm not going to go read that because Philippians 3, 1 through 8. So, so Paul lost his position in the eyes of the, the, the ones that is, you know, that esteemed. You know, in other words, uh, people that he considered important. But even that, he, he was only concerned about his relationship to the Lord. And in Luke chapter 19, 1 through 9, Zacchaeus esteemed Jesus more than his position. Let's go read down. Luke chapter 19, 1 through 9. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich, man, and sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was a little stature. And he ran before and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place and looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at your house. Mm. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And in verse 7, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he was gone to be a guest with the man of a, that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, the Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold, man. Look at this guy's heart, man. So he esteemed Jesus more than his position. He was highly uh, in a high position amongst the Pharisees and so on. And in verse 9, and Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation. Who is salvation? Jesus. Who came to his house? Jesus. This day is salvation come. come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham. In other words, he was telling Zacchaeus, you're also a son of Abraham because of your heart. Mm. You see? And so this Zacchaeus humbled himself, man. And realized that he was standing before the Lord. And uh, and because of that, he made those that statement. I'm going to give. And stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. That's a huge testimony man, to a man who's got a lot of money. Amen. Anybody that's offended with me or that I've taken from him when I shouldn't have, I'll give him fourfold. Mm. Man, that's powerful. And uh, let's look at Luke 5.27. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom and said unto him, follow me. And he left and rose up and followed him. And that's the thing about the disciple. When Jesus makes the call in your life to follow him. In other words, it's not about, you know, going around all over the place with him. It's about... Now we have the word of God, right? And we can get into the word and find out where we're not following him. And then that begin to make the change, repent, and follow him. And you're talking about that word repent. There's two words in the Bible for repent. And the first one is godly sorrow. It means that uh, you, you're sorry in your heart and you repent and turn from that thing, right? The other one is the word metamalomai. And it means... I'm sorry because I got caught. 
It means I'm sorry because I got caught. Right? As your little boy or little girl ever been doing something and then you walk in the room, I'm sorry, Papa, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because they got caught. That's not a godly sorrow. But I'm going to help you with that. We're going to go over the word and, and you're going to get the rod now. Man. And so there's a whole, you know, eventually, you know, we'll get to the place in Hebrews chapter 6. Verse, actually it's 5.12, Hebrews 5.12, 7.13, alright, and Paul here, he says, of whom, verse 11, of whom we have many things to say unto you, and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing, so obviously if, if someone's not hearing the word of the Lord, man, it's, it's hard to talk to them, right, about the kingdom of God, or anything related to spirituals, because remember, spirituals don't mix with carnals, you can't do both. Mm. And that's why Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. You're either hot or you're cold. I can't have you in between. It's pointless. It's vain. Empty. For when, verse 12, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now watch this, verse 13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, an apios. The strong meat belongs to them who are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And sense there is, is part of your soul, your, your emotional area. And so if you look at verse 13, for, he says a lot of things here. First of all, you should have been at that place where you're teaching and discipling others. Now I've got to come back and train you again. First principles. And then he says, uh, you now you need milk. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul, again, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, spiritual is the Greek word pneumaticos, but as unto carnal, sarkikos is the word there, even as unto napios in Christ, babes. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto, you were not able to bear it, neither yet now. So at the time I was feeding you the word of God, you weren't ready for the meat of the word of God. I still had to give you the simple truths of the kingdom of God. For you are yet carnal, he said. For where is there among you envying and strife and divisions? Are you not carnal and walk as men? Mere men, in other words. The world, in other words. There's no distinction in your life. You're acting just like them out there in the world. So again, uh, Talking about the milk and the meat here. And then he says in verse 13, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. What organization do you know, big organization, worldwide, man, and all they do is teach people about being born again? Anybody have an idea what I'm saying? Starts with a B. Which organization they teach people to be born again? All they teach, and, and all they want is the people to get born again. And every week they have an altar call. <laughs> right? Your Baptist organization. That's all they do. And Paul said here, everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. <laughs> that ought to be enough to tell you that there's more. <laughs> For he is a babe, the scripture says. Still young, man. So now, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. So in other words, we should have been now moving on. 
let us go on unto perfection, not laying again, number one foundation, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms. There's seven areas in the New Testament to talk about baptism. Laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Six foundational principles right there, man. And all of them have a lot of, of, of teaching associated with them. But the point I'm getting at is that, you know, this, 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 this relationship that we have with Jesus Christ and this word, man, it's, it's more than just so that I can have information and knowledge. He's making a deposit in your life because when it's time, he's going to call for a deposit. In other words, when he needs that deposit to come out. It's like, the, it's like you going to the bank and taking some money out. He needs it because now I've got to direct you in this direction, Joseph, etc. 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 So it's important, right, to get this word in our lives. And, and like I said, I don't necessarily know why I'm studying certain things at times, but I know I have faith toward God that I'm in his presence. And I don't know what I'm getting when I'm there in his presence, but I'm glad I'm getting what I'm getting. Amen. And I don't know when it's going to be utilized. That's not for me to know that. I just need to be obedient to the word of God and get in that word. Amen? Amen. So, again, discipleship is going to cost you your reputation. Yeah. Philippians 2.7, it says, Philippians 2.7. but made himself of no reputation. You see, there is no point of trying to build a reputation in the kingdom of God because, first of all, nobody can do the, the order and the function that God has ordained you to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. You see, so there's no point in me trying to make myself better than anybody. Mm -hmm. You know? And, and, and that's not the way of God at all, obviously, because like I said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And as a matter of fact, Jesus said, Matthew 5, 10 through 12, he talks about, you know, if they loved, if they loved me, if they, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Right. So that's your lot in life. I mean, I got people talking about me all the time at work. You see, you can't tempt a dead man. I'm not looking for your glory, man. As he says in, in uh, 1 John 5, 9, 1 John 5, 9 real quick. John chapter 5 verse 9. First John. First John. If you receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which ye have testified of his weas. He that believeth on the weas of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God has made him a liar, because he believes not the record that God gave of his only of his weas, of his sons, in other words, sons and daughters. So in other words, the world, they can't receive the witness of God in your life. And so they'll point the finger at you, talk about you, you know, say false things about you. It doesn't matter because if you're walking humbly before God, God will resurrect you and, and bring you to that place that he has for you. And whatever that situation is, be it a job, you know, be it anywhere, right? And, and so we don't have to focus on that. We're looking for God's witness, that God's stamp of approval on your life and again when you put the stamp on the package or you pay for the postage now it's ready 
to be sent. So we know the story about David, right? When he had came in and made those conquests, and the scripture says that his wife despised him, right? I think her name was, she was Saul's daughter in 1 Samuel 6.20. And I'm not going to read that one, but the point is, is that, again, just the proof that if you're walking the, in the life and the presence of God, the world's going to despise you. And uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 18, and these are, the good, these are the ones that God is looking for. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God, the dunamis of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. So those that are out there in the world right now think they got all the solutions, the answers of what we need to be doing. No, the solution is prayer. Amen? We have the authority to buy it. Amen? Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age or this world? Have not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Amen? So we understand that, that God is looking for, you know, he just wants a willing vessel, right? Someone that would allow him, allow themselves to be trained in the kingdom of God. And incidentally, you know, that training comes through brothers and sisters in our lives. The, the women, you know, training and teaching the young women. Did you know, I was telling one of the sisters when I first was here, that there was a college for women in the Bible. And you know what they did? No. They trained the women. Women trained the women. You see what I'm saying? Training all these little kids, training the toddlers how to take care of the mothers, take care of the toddlers, how to be a young teenage, you know, a young little girl that's coming into her, you know, her bus and stuff and growing up, you know, maturing. And uh, and then the, the wives, how to be submissive to their husbands. All these training, which Paul told them the same thing. But what I'm saying is, is that this is how this is how God's word is deposited in our lives. You know, there's another scripture in Isaiah that talks about whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Those that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. In other words, a baby always needs attention, man. You know? He needs to be dressed, he needs to be cleaned up, he needs to be trained how to walk, how to eat. Just all till they're ready to go, man. <laughs> but the one that God will use is that the one that has disciplined his life where he's not whining and complaining and murmuring, etc. all the time. He's just humble before his God and, and knows how to keep his place and knows how to keep his mouth shut, etc. And not whine. First Corinthians 4, 6 through 10. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transfigured to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? See, everything we have, we received it from somebody. 
revelation, teaching, training, somebody gave it to you, man. Now, if thou didst receive, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? See, there's no point in being vain about all this, right? Now you are full. Now you are rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God you did reign, that we might also reign with you. Reign in the spirit, right? Dominion. For I think that God has set forth the apostles last, as it were, appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle to the world, and to the angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. We are, you are honorable, we are despised. And, and it's not necessarily just saying as Paul is saying there. We're just saying that in the kingdom of God, man, you're going to get, you're going to lose your reputation, man. There's no point. If Now, I've been in situations where, you know, like I remember there was this one fellowship, and um, they were having multiple services, right, in, on Sundays, right? And they would try to do the same thing on the services, the same prophecy if somebody had a manifestation prophecy or whatever. And I was looking at all that, and I said, man, this is strange, you know. And, you know, again, because they're trying to please all the people, right? And, and, and they don't want to talk about discipleship. They certainly don't want to talk about malakos, right, and feminism and all this stuff. And all these things, man, that Jesus, boy, he just put it out there, man. But see, they don't want to offend the people, because if you offend the people, you don't get their money. <laughs> and I can't pay for these lights, or the AC or whatever. Um, let's see here. So we're despised, right? We know that. Jesus said if they hate me, they're going to hate you. So, see, the thing is, is uh, and I've shared this before, is that, you know, Jesus said in, in Matthew 16, where Peter got the revelation now of the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you. And then he says, Thou art Peter, but upon this rock, me, I'm going to build my church. So then right after that, Peter got a big head, you know. I got the revelation, man. I'm big Peter. And right after that, Jesus started telling him that I'm going to be go, I'm going to go on, I'm going to get crucified, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be put into the hands of the elders, etc. And Peter told him, No, think about yourself. Remember that? And what did Jesus say to him? That's right. You're the wrong spirit, Peter. You're listening to the wrong friend. See, in other words, right after that, Jesus said, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, Peter. You see, if you seek to save your suke, your soul, you're going to lose it. But if you seek to lose it, you'll find it. So Peter got corrected right there, man. You know, people think that Jesus was so soft. And let me tell you something, man. He, he worked with these guys for three and a half years, man. You, we don't even know the half of what's not written in this. All these corrections and all these things that they had to get straight in their heads, man. You know, are you going to come and, when are you going to come and set up your kingdom? Right? He says, the kingdom of God is within you. You know, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? Yeah. You know, you don't know what you're asking of, man. And he told another disciple the same thing, man. What you're saying is not of God, so... It's very important that we understand, obviously, our enemy and how he tries to come in and slip, slip us, you know, little ideas and principles and thoughts that are not even lining up with the Word of God. What does he? What time do you want me to cut it? Eight. Eight? Eight. 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 Eight.
right. So discipleship is going to cost you your life, right? In Philippians 2.8, he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And I read this earlier, Luke 14.27, and that, so you must prefer, anyone that prefers his life, Jesus said, Luke 27, 14, 27. Luke 14.27 And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Right? Mm -hmm. And then he says for which of you intending to build a tower? And I just read that. And then verse 30 says saying this man began to build and he's not able to finish it. Or what are you going to make war? You know, you got to count the cost, right? Or else while another is yet a great while, he sendeth the message and desireth conditions of peace. And so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has, cannot be by a disciple. See that? Mm -hmm. And this is what it's all about, is getting to that place where you walk according to the word. Amen? And the word, as the scripture says of Abram, he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. When you get the revelation of the kingdom of God, that's all you're concerned about. What does God's word say about whatever that matter is? And in Matthew 16, 25, I read that earlier, you must, um, I mean, I quoted it, is that you must seek to lose your life. See, you can't find the life of God if it's about you. And that life of God is in your spirit, man. Galatians 2.20 says, It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me and gave his own life for me. He gave up his soul. It wasn't just his body, man. In Matthew 26, right, is where we see where Jesus said, Not my will, but thine will. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? Mm -hmm. And so we see that he had to deal with the soul first, because never did you see in Jesus' life, where he said to the Father, not my will, but thine will. And we say that religiously, well, if it be the will of God. It's real simple to understand the will of God. The will of God is the word of God. So people say that religiously, but Jesus was saying that he's got a struggle right now. He knows he's got to go die on the cross. And I've got to get my soul under control. In other words, my attitude has to be right about it. I've got to receive the cup. Nevertheless, if this cup cannot pass, I'll drink it. I'll take it, in other words. And so that cup, you see, is the cup that he's asking all of us to drink. In other words, it's not about you, Joseph. It's about me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. In John 3.30, this is uh, John. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And see, that's a tough place for for the world and for the religious system and the Babylonian system and stuff. Like I said, when I worked out there at that place as a network systems administrator, man, I saw a lot of stuff, man. And, and I got the reputation real quickly that if you talk to Joseph, all he wants to do is talk about the word of God. Like, and that's a problem? <laughs> Ooh, man, I'll tell you, man, I saw some stuff, man. Mm. Gosh. It's okay, man. The soul, man. Just like I said, just full. And see, the thing is, God wants to bring us to a distinction where we can see the spirit and soul real clearly. But you can't see it if you don't have the word. Let's go back to that Hebrews chapter 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. Go 
That's right. Four areas right there. Sharper than to piercing even to the divine asunder of soul and spirit, number one. Joints and marrow, number two. See, in other words, in joints and marrow is that you understand the brothers and sisters that are devoted to Jesus Christ. And you know the ones that are not. So you can't make joints and marrow with someone that's carnal. There's no fellowship there because they don't have a relationship. You see what I'm saying? And only the word of God can show you this. Mm. And then he says, uh, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. So George and Merrill, is, 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 he teaches you discernment because of that word and even of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So that's how you know where people are coming from, what's coming out of their mouth, right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. But they that love it shall eat the fruit of it. So if you're not happy with what you're reaping, then you need to change the well, the source of information, right? A man's... Confession is a result of his belief. A man's belief is a result of his thinking. A man's thinking is a result of his knowledge. And there's only two sources. God or the devil. And see, it's not necessarily that it's Satan directly involved because it's called the corruptible seed. If that seed gets in your heart, your mind, it'll begin to produce after Satan. Right? Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, and the deeds of your father you will do. So if someone's doing the deeds of, the, of their father, Satan, then that's demonic, man. It's not saying that the person's got a devil, because he just may be the seed that he's, that he's rep reproducing. You understand? And so... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll make some statements at the house, and I'll say something about you're being demonic. It doesn't go over well. So here's the nine disqualifications of discipleship. In Luke 14, 26, he says, if anything or anyone comes first before God, and this is called the order of first things, he cannot be my disciple. Luke 9, 24, if he, he, does, if he does prefer his own soul, idolatry is self-love, you cannot be my disciple. Luke 9, 27, if he does not bear his own cross, not Calvary's cross, Jesus had his own cross. You've got to bear your own cross. And what is the cross that you bear? It's that you don't make a decision outside of the word of God. You bear the burden of God's word on your life. And you don't make a choice outside of God's word. So, so it says, he cannot be my disciple here. In Luke 9, 59 through 62, he if he does not follow Jesus, that is lordship and submission, he cannot be my disciple. You see, the thing is, is that Jesus needs to be at that place where, where we are, where he is, we are. And you can't be where he is if you're looking at yourself. But if you're following the spirit of God, amen, and you're leading in that direction of God, then, and, and the whole thing is by faith, man. You got to move by faith with this. It's not something that you're going to see clearly written out. God has his way of his, of his confirming his word, right? By the mouth of two or three, let every word be established. When you guys share and you hit on something that the Lord's been ministering to me about, yeah. that's the voice of the Lord. Sure. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so again, it's all by faith toward God, man. And you get to your place where you recognize how God operates with your life. You know, there's some areas in the manifestation of the Holy Ghost 
that I understand about God, and that is one of them is faith. Man, when that word gets preached, glory to God, faith builds up in the hearts of the people. That's a manifestation of faith. Another one is prophecy. Not necessarily thus, thus, thus say the Lord, but in writing. When I know that manifestation of prophecy, I mean, man, these scriptures start lining up together, man, and I know it's the voice of the Lord. But anyway, you start learning how God works with your life, man, and you start understanding your anointings, your strengths, your callings, your selections, your elections. So if he does not follow Jesus, the Lordship and submission, he cannot be my disciple. He is not only our Savior, but he is our Lord. Peter saw the revelation there of the Christ. Every man and woman of God must come to that place where they recognize Jesus, your Lord. In other words, you just give it up, man. Whatever you want, Father. Mm. And then he says, Matthew 16, 16 through 17, Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but it is by the Spirit of God that you see the revelation of who Jesus is. The scripture says in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, right? See, God's trying to get us to a place where once his government is established in our hearts, right, that then he's able to govern you and rule you because of the word of God in your spirit. And verse 6, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, but a son is given. I'm going to stop right there for a second. So when somebody gets born again, you think he's ready to be given? You think he's ready to be a package to be sent out? Not yet. Right? No. And what do we do right now? We, we, you know, many of our situations, you know, a, a brother or sister, man, he's getting the revelation of God. He's got the anointing of God, the presence of God, and we want to put him in the ministry. <laughs> right away, man. He has no experience whatsoever. So a child is born, but a son is given. Now he's ready. Now I can give him back to the people to do my work, to do God's work. And then he says, and the government shall be upon me. Yeah. I know, right? A son is giving. A child is born, but a son is giving. Every, every is December, ready. man. But a son is ready. Right. A child. Every December, man, we hear this, right? Yeah. They don't understand what I'm talking about. And it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, whose government, and what are we talking about here on his shoulder? Who is the head of the church? Christ. Where is the government of God at on his life? And he gave us the word and the foundation of how we should function in all these areas. Paul began to expand and bring the revelation of the church and how it should be structured. So, in other words, if we set it up according to the government of God, as Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There won't be a lot of struggle, man. You're going to have brothers and sisters that want to serve and do the will of God everywhere. They want to share the burden of the ministry and the service of God to the community and to the world, etc. So it says, upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. How are they going to be able to call Jesus these things if he's not being manifested through you? Through you, through you. See, they're going to call. They're going to, in other words, their hearts are going to get turned to the Lord. And then they're going to be able to say, the wonderful God, the mighty counselor, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, etc. Because of the work that God did in you first. So then he says, um, now, verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. End. You see, when the government of God is established in your heart, there's peace. 
And there's there's places where Jesus told them, if they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. Mm -hmm. See, because they didn't receive the government of God. They didn't want to come under authority of the word of God. It's not me. It's the word that we represent. And, uh, so, and, and there's a lot of places where you see that when you look at the word peace in the New Testament. And, and then he says, on his government, there's not going to be there's going to be peace and there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. See, God's zeal, the spirit of God in our own lives, working every joint, doing his part and connected and serving and making disciples. Amen. And it's not just here that we make disciples, right? You might have a brother or sister that you encounter. Well, brother, because you don't want to get it. You don't, want, you don't want the world, the enemy, to take an advantage and use something against you. But um, you might have a young brother, man, that he wants to know more about God. And you start teaching him. You start inviting him to your home. You start taking him to the breakfast or whatever. You start preaching to him and teaching him and making him a disciple. You see? And then eventually he'll come to a place where, where do you fellowship at? And then now he's ready to come amongst the brothers and sisters, you see, and be received. And receive and that, you know, get that nurturing and training that he needs by witnessing the kingdom of God. So Luke 14, 28, if he does not count the cost, not the assets. In other words, we're not looking for what the world is going to give us or what the body of Christ is going to give us. We're, we know that our reward is from the Lord. Amen. Luke 14, 33, if he does not forsake all. The scripture says in Colossians 2 and 3, set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. He cannot be my disciple. John 8, 31 through 32, if he does not continue in my word, this word has to be lived. Amen? Amen. He cannot be my disciple. John 13, 34 and 35, he says, if he, does not, if he does not love one another, in other words, Jesus said, if you love one another, then are you my disciples. In other words, he's selfish. He doesn't want to give. He doesn't want to share. He's very, you know, as the scripture says in Proverbs, you know, there is that withholdeth. In other words, you're holding back, and it tends to poverty. Yeah. And in John 15, 1 through 8, it says, if he does not bear fruit, he cannot be my disciple. In other words, we have to abide in the vine, right? And 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 so the vine, the word abide, abide is mino. You've got to stay with the Lord, man. No matter what the circumstances are around you, no matter how much pressure you're going through, thank God for the body of Christ that you can reach out into a call and, hey, I need some prayer. Hey. I'm, I'm short on my money, on my rent, you know, or whatever. If you can supply the need, it's as it's unto the Lord, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to break this word of life, amen, and teach about discipleship, Father. And, and Lord God, may you put a, a yearning and a, and a desire in all of our hearts, Father God, to want to Grow up, Father God, in this precious kingdom that you've set up. And as you said, Lord Jesus, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. You desire us to be at that place where you need us to be in, Jesus. And we know, Father God, that we can't be there for it's all about us. So, Father God, I just, I just give you my heart, Father. I'll just give you my heart, Lord, and I'm willing to serve and do whatever your desire is, Father that your word might be fulfilled in our lives, Father God. Amen. And I thank you, Father, amen. once again for this opportunity to break bread, Father. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Any questions? Any questions? <clears throat> no. Don't make anything, yeah. man. Anything? Yeah. yeah this is midweek Bible studies. Brother Kaffa, you got a question? No. I posted it to them first. Question. Then he was somewhere. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I really have a question today. Yeah. Like, yes, the live week. Last week. Mm-hmm. Man, I tell you, man, you know, Jesus said this, right? He says that out of your belly are going to flow rivers. Rivers doesn't mean little streams, man. Barely water trickling through, man. We're talking about, you know, all the sons of God should, should be full, man. Full of the Word of God. Able to break that bread. And not necessarily trying to do it like everybody else. Just do it in your operation, the way you bring it out. Yeah. My, 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 my little uh, point of concern, I would say that, is that at what time this person is really convinced that it's time for him to go out, or does he wait to be sane, or that's, that's the thing. Well, see, that's when, what I'm saying. You convicted that, uh, well, you know, I never really put any thought to it about being sane or anything. I just kept preparing myself, right? I prepared myself. In other words, Again, not necessarily thinking about uh, going out and doing anything as in, in, in that manner, right? I just kept being prepared, being prepared, being prepared. And as God begins to tap it, right? In other words, he begins to uh, bring it forth from that, from that well of your spirit, man. You know, he's the one that's calling for it. I didn't, you know, I didn't invite myself over here, you know, and, 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 and so on. And I didn't. It wasn't me that set the, the opportunity, me, Brother Daniel, etc. I just, you know, I just, you know, being led of the Spirit of God. You don't know where God is going to take you and what he's going to do. But I know this is that you must be prepared first. Yeah. And, and that hour of preparation is, is so critical and important. Okay. And I know last time, remember, we talked about something that you plant, right? You've got to nurture that thing. You've got to take care of it. You know, you've got to water it, keep all the weeds away from it. You know, put fertilizer if you have to until that plant is ready. And that process takes time. Yeah. Another thing, Brother Joseph, yes, is like uh, most times, like what you say, when God wants to maybe use a person or have a pl some plan of purpose for him in his kingdom, he visits him maybe about my vision, dreams, or whatever way. And sometimes there's something called zeal. That Zero. take over the person. But sometimes the person don't know what to do, which mm -hmm. time to take. Sometimes God can be saying something to you now. Mm -hmm. He may not really be talking about your of your implementation now. Right. So, so it's like it, not to mm -hmm. just call you other. You see, Paul. Mm -hmm. When Paul got that uh, encounter in, in, in with the law, yes. It was the same law that told him to go to the house of man and I said he will show you what to do. Amen. So it's like there's a timing that I think people need to understand between timing and zeal. Sometimes yeah. the zeal will just make a child wants to mm, go, go into certain things when it's not yet time. Well, you that's know that Abraham, right? Yeah, that's in, in, in Romans 4. Moses too, he went without zeal and after they had to even run away. You remember? Uh, Abraham, he got the promise of God. Yeah. 
But even though he had the promise of God, the performance was still God. Yeah. See, he didn't have to struggle and figure out how am I going to do all this, Lord? I'm 99 years old. I can't even, you know, I can't make babies. But God, in, in the hour of, so performance, so promise, preparation, performance. It's, that, it's in that order is that, is that God, as he prepares you, he's, because he sees that you're being prepared and you're working and praying and seeking God and ministering to your family and loving on them and teaching and training them, that's your first order, by the way, your family. Yeah. And as he sees that, that you're being getting prepared, he begins to prepare and work on the performance side. He begins to open the doors. The scripture says a man's gift Make for him. Yeah, That's right. So it's not you having to sit there and try to think about it all. It's that waiting on the timing of God and being patient. There's, a, there's an aspect where the soul must wait on the Lord. Stand on your watchtower, amen, as he says in Habakkuk, and wait until the instructions come from God. Amen. Let him purge you out and empty you. Amen. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let him so, empty you. Why sometimes Christians, 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 Christians miss God, right? Yeah. Miss God in terms of maybe the zeal take over the knowledge of when they ought to do certain things at a particular time. So, I, do you, I believe that Christians sometimes can miss God oh, yeah. in terms of knowing what to do, yep. timing of doing it, yep. and even how they ought to do it. Right. But that zeal is just there. So long I'm doing, doing, mm -hmm. doing, doing the things of God, but then maybe the timing sometimes. I well, here's the thing, though. See, the thing that God does in the kingdom of God, he, he raises up fathers. And it's the fathers that work with the sons yeah. of God. Yeah. You see? Amen. And it's the fathers that help train them train. to help them discipline them. That's why Hebrews 12, 5, right? It says that what son is he whom the father doesn't correct? Oh, you bastards are not sons. See, we're not just talking about being a minister. We're talking about being a son of God. The son of God can receive the correction from God. And God uses people to do that. Right? And it's the father, right? You remember when you were, when I was growing up, I remember that wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> See, the mother didn't want to enforce it. She had to wait for the enforcer, the father... Right? And Paul, in First Thessalonians, Paul knew how to nurse as a father and exhort and correct as a father as well. He knew how to do both. He had the wisdom to understand that. And that's why it gets back to the setting up the kingdom of God and the structure of God the way he wants it because it's the fathers that we need, right? That'll help bring the training and the discipline to our lives just like Jesus was the father to the disciples. He told them, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. You know, what, who was it that shows the Father and it suffices us? What was that? Philip? Said that? Philip said that? Show us the Father and it's enough for us. I think it was Philip. And then he told him, I've been all this time with you and you still haven't recognized the fatherhood of God. You have to understand where is it coming from? Is it from that man that's teaching you? Or is it the Heavenly Father is trying to elevate your thinking? Because He is the law of resurrection. He's trying to get you to understand that we're talking about an order in the kingdom of God that He wants in the earth. And it starts with the family, right? Your own wife and your own children. Training, teaching them up. Disciplining them, correcting them, etc. And doing all the things that are necessary to make that son or daughter of God ready for when He's ready. Think about this. Think about your own sons and daughters. Right? 
There's no way I'm, my son's 14 years old, the oldest one. There's no way he's ready for the world, man. The enemy meant to take him out. Temptations, drinking, drugs, whatever, right? Music, all this stuff, man. And it's the same thing with our children, right? We're not going to send them out before it's time. I mean, especially take, let them go to college, man, right? And they're on their own, and nobody's there to govern their lives and watch them know this, yes, that. They got to trust that foundation that you put in them. That's a tough place. And what you're saying is something that is prevalent and I see here in America. Oh, yeah. They thought of the person is 18. Yeah. As soon as they are 18, that's right. There's a time, it's not a child. So now you, there are some parents that even pushing them They don't want responsibility anymore, yeah. right? They don't want to take yeah. care of anymore. They don't want to pay the bills. They don't want to buy their clothes. Yeah. They don't want to buy their, pay for their phone or whatever. Pay for the insurance of the car. And now it's on you. But that's what we're trying to get them ready for, where if they're proven responsibility and maturity in their home, they're going to keep doing it when they're not with you. Yeah. And that's the whole goal, see? And the thing about it is that what brings a lot of confusion to all this is the Babylonian system. Okay. You see? The Babylonian system. Babylon means confusion. Hmm. They're the ones that keep the body of Christ confused right there because they don't understand the way of the kingdom of God. And God needs to establish his lordship in your life first. And, you know, he'll take you to that place where he's got to empty you out of you. The more full you are of you, right, the less, the more time it's going to take. But if you empty yourself, you keep on emptying yourself, you keep on serving, you keep on blessing the people, etc. And he sees the character in your heart, eventually that promotion and that hour of promotion will start coming. But it's him that brings the performance. Promise to performance. And I, you know, the thing about it is, I spend a lot of time in the Word of God. It's not just, you know, I mean, in my own time, you know, I'll listen to messages and, and get the Word of God or hear it again, and I'll pick something else up. And, and, and the thing is, is that you have to consider the source, right, of who's giving you that information. And there's plenty of them out there, you know, but they're not, there's not many fathers, as Paul said. Though you have 10,000 instructors, yet have you not many fathers? Mm -hmm. First Corinthians 4, 6. Yes, you see? And it's the fatherhood of God. That's what we've got to be working on and, and training up these sons of God, bringing them into discipleship. And again, not so we can be, because Jesus in Luke chapter 12, they're going to be going again. Yeah. <laughs> Luke chapter 12, verse 1. Jesus already had his 10,000, man. But he wasn't thinking about, oh, his only heart desire was training those disciples because when he leaves, it's going to be on them now. In the meantime, when they were gathered together, an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all. When you see first, that's the order of first things. That's apostolic, man. Jesus the apostle is the is our apostle, amen. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Mm. Now, the word Innumerable multitude is the Greek word morias, M-E-R-I-A-S, and it means 10,000. They were getting ready to minister to 10,000 people, man. And what did he say to them? Beware of the level of the Pharisees. What is the mindset of the Pharisee? What is he interested in? He's interested in making his pocket fat. Yeah. And he's going to figure out how to market to those people. And sell them doves and sell them all this stuff that Jesus in the, in the flipped that table. Yeah. <laughs> sell them their tapes. Mm -hmm. Sell them their t-shirts. Mm -hmm. All this stuff, man. He's going to figure out how to market to those people. 
Because his mind is thinking about himself. But Jesus told them, beware of that, man. If that stuff is in you, man, then God, will, if, if you keep seeking the Lord, he'll eventually purge it out. Because he said there's nothing covered that's not going to be revealed. So their motive, he, he already knew their motive was about them first, right? So that's the thing is that our heart and our attitude has to be right. And it can't be for, like, a, like it says, you know, trying to get your pockets fat, man. Because, you know, it's, it's the grace of God, man. It's not something that, that you know, that you take lightly, amen? And, and I listen to these messages, I know, all the time, and I'm, I'm learning, I'm, and I'm wanting more of God in my life, and I know that if I fellowship the Word, I'm fellowshipping the Father, man, because the Word of God is God. Amen. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord.